So uh, if you've been with us uh, this summer, you know that we're, uh, we're actually kind of coming to the, the end or getting ready to close out a series on the book of Romans. We've been calling it Paul's Gospel. That's because uh, it, in Romans, Paul literally says, this is my gospel. This is what you know, I think and, and, and believe. And uh, what we've seen over and over and over again is that what happened was Paul was like any other Jewish person uh, in the ancient Near East in the first century. He was expecting one type of Messiah, one type of, of, of salvation from God. And when he encountered the actual real salvation, which comes in the death and resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit, it was like, whoa, everything's different, everything's changed. And he kind of went through this complete, like, upside-down, topsy-turvy way of trying to make sense of God, faith, everything, and everything's kind of like it's been reconfigured. A new paradigm is one of the things we've said. A new way of thinking about all this stuff. And uh, one of the things that we noticed is a couple weeks ago, we, we, we were, a few weeks ago, we've been actually talking about how God's not super interested anymore in like rules of do's and don'ts, lists of this is how to live and this is not how to live. Uh, one of the ma- amazing things that happens with Jesus is Jesus comes and says, that's not the way that we're, that we're living anymore. We're not you know, checking off the boxes of this is how to live. And one of the things that, that comes with that is since there isn't like this, this is what good Christian looks like and this is what it doesn't, it means that we have to all sort of get together even though we're different people. And, and one of the things that Paul says over and over, he's like, Do, don't judge each other. Like, so, so oh, this person over here is like living th- this way. Cool. Don't judge them for living that way. And, and likewise, if you know that people might be sort of offended by the way that, that you're doing things, don't shove it in their face. Like, don't, don't, don't offend them. So don't judge and don't offend. But that, that leaves open a really practical question, which is, well, if we're, okay, I get it. We're not supposed to be like judging and offending, which is awesome. But what are we actually supposed to be doing? Right? So, if, okay, so we're, we're not going to have this rule about, you know, do this, don't do that. That's not how we're going to operate. Um, but what is it that we're, we're trying to do? What's the end game of this? What's, what's the point that Paul's, why, why is, is this so important? What is, what is it that we really ought to be doing? And we're going to see that today. We're going to see Paul's answer to that. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and a little bit more, too. So I want to uh, have us read again uh, from Romans 14. This is a different section than we read last time. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty awesome passage. Paul says this. He says, If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again. He might be let the Lord of both the dead and the living. So why are you judging your brother or your sister? Why are you despising your brother or sister? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And this is a quote, he's quoting from Isaiah here. He says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us is going to be accountable to God. So, so therefore, let's no longer pass judgment on one another, but instead resolve never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. Now, I'd like to draw your attention. It's kind of an interesting phrasing to start there. If we live, we live to the Lord. Uh, in the Greek, the Greek word ordering is to the Lord we live. So if we live, to the Lord we live. If we die, to, to the Lord we die. It's a really emphatic way of emphasizing uh, that, that we're, we're the Lord's. And, and what does that mean, to live to the Lord? What does it mean uh, to die to the Lord? 
Well, for those of you who were fans of anime, Japanese animation, in the uh, mid to late 90s, you're familiar with uh, Rurouni Kenshin. Do we have Rurouni Kenshin? Uh, Ronin, he knows what I'm talking about, yeah. Samurai X was how it was put there. Uh, he, he, awesome character, Kenshin, was a, uh, was a Ronin in the, like, the 1870s. Um, fake, you know, not real. The real Ronin, or, or Samurai, is there on the right. Um, this will be a late um, period of, of samurai. Samurai were, uh, they were, they ended in the 1870s in Japan. I think 1877 was the last one. They said, no more samurais. Well, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Japanese culture. I think it's an amazing, uh, amazing place and, and, and country. But very hard for us as, as Westerners to understand. Uh, one of the things that's really difficult for us to wrap our minds around is the very idea of uh, the samurai. Right uh, or the bushi, um, they, uh, the, those who lived by the bushido, the, the code or the way of the samurai. Uh, in, in the medieval and in early modern period of Japan, uh, the, there was like a sort of a caste system, and at the very top were the daimyo, and that was the uh, that's like the the sort of the leaders of the, the lords, the liege lords of, of different factions and areas in the country. And the daimyo uh, had under them a, a class of noble warriors called the samurai, or the bushi. And uh, the samurai or the bushi, they, they had a very, very rigid, strict way of living. And it was all based on honor and shame. It was all based on the notion. That if you were um, a daimyo's samurai, you owed everything to the daimyo. In fact, it was your responsibility to make sure that he lived, thrived, survived. Uh, and, and, and if you didn't do that, you had this horrible, horrible shame that came about you. In fact, uh, for those of you who know the uh, seppuku, um, ritual suicide is, was reserved for the, the samurai class when they failed, especially in the battlefield or through assassination, to protect and cause their daimyo to, to live and thrive. Uh, and and th- again, it's just totally wacky for Westerners. But literally, the way of the samurai, the bushido, it, it, it literally, they take their short sword, and when they failed um, their, their, their daimyo, they, they slice open their belly and are required to bleed out. Right? Um, this is the, the level of commitment they have to their Lord. And uh, another part of the, the way of the samurai is if you're an enemy samurai and, and you see uh, the samurai doing this as, as an act of honor, it was uh, what you did to your enemies, you would go and you would behead them to prevent them from suffering for hours and sometimes even days as they're waiting to die. That's pretty hardcore. That's a, that's a, I mean, whoa! And the, the, the Ronin, the Ronin were, were those who, uh, those, those samurai who didn't have the guts, as it were, to commit seppuku when they had failed their lords. Uh, Paul, in, in, in this section, if you look at Romans 14, you'll notice that he's repeating the word Lord, uh, Greek kurios, over and over and over again. Lord, 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 Lord. He doesn't always do that when he's talking about Jesus. Sometimes he talks about Jesus. Sometimes he talks about Christ, the Messiah. But in this section, it's Lord, 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 Lord. Why is that? 
Because originally everyone thought that, you know, the Lord, the Messiah was going to come and be, you know, king of Israel, right? And, and run the, run Jerusalem. And everyone was going to, like, the Romans were going to be like, oh, you're awesome, you're great. And that was going to be the Messiah. But no, what, what Paul's found out is not only is the Messiah not just ruling in Jerusalem, Messiah has ascended up and is ruling over all of the cosmos. The entire universe. He's the daimyo, the lord of all the universe. And, and in, the, in that ascension, what, what has happened is he's forgiven people. He's broken us freed from the bonds of sin and death. He's given us the life of the heavens, eternal life. He's given us everything and now rules as king of the universe. And what does that mean? That means that we who recognize that owe him our allegiance. He's like the daimyo and we're like the samurai. Our bushido, our way of the samurai, our code is to serve and, and acknowledge and, and, and do everything we can to express our allegiance and fealty uh, for, to Jesus the Messiah. It's the first thing you know, Jesus. Now that Jesus is the risen Lord, we owe him total allegiance and need not worry about how others are fulfilling their oaths to him. Total allegiance. Let's jump back to the text. For it is written, I mentioned that this is uh, Paul quoting from Isaiah 45. I want us to take a look at this. I want us to take a look at Isaiah 45 because it deepens kind of the, the point that Paul's making. And it, and it might sh- uh, shed some light on why he's making it. So let's uh, jump back to Isaiah 45. This is um, where Paul's quoting from. He says, turn, this is uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, Lord, Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Only in Yahweh, anytime you see Lord in all caps in an English Bible, it's covering up the Hebrew for Yahweh, uh, God's personal name. Only in Yahweh it shall be said of me our righteousness and strength. All who were incensed against him shall come to him and be ashamed. In Yahweh, all the offspring of Israel shall triumph and glory. The section in Isaiah is uh, it's actually it's written. It's about um, Cyrus the Great. Got a picture of him? There's Cyrus. Uh, he was the emperor of Persia. If you remember, one of the things that we've been revisiting over and over in Romans is, is the fact that, um, in, that Paul's talking a lot about Isaiah and Deuteronomy, and he's thinking a lot about the way that the Jewish nation was in exile in Babylon. This is in 586 BC. Jerusalem was sacked. The Babylonians took the leadership of, of Jerusalem to, to, to Babylon, and there they languished in, in slavery and exile for 70 years. At the end of that 70 years, the prophet Isaiah foretold that Cyrus the Great would come and rescue them. He would rise up out of Persia. He was an upcoming empire. The Persian Empire is up and coming. And it clashed against the Babylonian Empire. And God says, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my man Cyrus here. And Cyrus is going to help you and protect you. We don't have a ton of uh, you know, reliable historical information outside of the Jewish tradition about Cyrus's relationship to the Jews. Um, but we do have uh, a couple of texts in the Bible and outside of the Bible that indicate that Cyrus had like a special place in his heart for, for Jewish people. And in fact, he went so far as to uh, give them a whole bunch of money so that they could go and go back to Jerusalem and restart 
Israel. Like he, he, they, he helped, helped them repatriate uh, Israel. And it's a very odd thing. Why would some random Persian conqueror come, you know, conquer Babylon and then notice this small sect of these odd people who don't eat pork and be like, I like you guys. A lot of scholars think that uh, Cyrus was a Zoroastrian. That's a, uh, an early, um, there still are Zoroastrians around, but uh, it's, a, it's a, one of the very few religions of the ancient Near East that's also monotheistic, believing in one God, a creator God. It's very possible that when Cyrus uh, took over Babylon, he's looking at all these people, these pagans with their little this, that, and the other gods, and he finds a small sect of people who are like, no, 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 there's one God, Yahweh, and we, we serve him. He's the creator God. And Cyrus might have been like, oh, I worship him too. We're on the same page. That's awesome. What, you guys are in slavery and you want to go home? Let me help you out. That's probably what, what took place. Well, when the Jewish people were, were going back and, and they'd heard that this was going to happen from Isaiah, Isaiah makes a special point to talk about what God's doing. In, in the text there, he, he's making that special point about saying, hey, 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 all the ends of the earth. Right, do we go back to the text there? He's like, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. I am God, there is no other. Uh, most of the time, the Jewish people thought that God was mostly interested in them. But, but what happens is God sees this guy Cyrus. He's like, Cyrus, you know, we're not that far apart. I like you. And Cyrus is like, I like you too. And, and, and God's like, we're kind of simpatico. I can use a guy like you. In fact, I would love it if someone like you were to be one of my people. And Cyrus is like, I kind of think I am one of your people. And God's like, this is what, this is what, I don't just want to help out the Jewish people. I want everybody who's like Cyrus. I want everybody who, who can acknowledge me as the creator. I want everyone to come. So he says, turn to me and be saved. Not Jews, all the ends of the earth. Everybody come and recognize me. Well, Cyrus might have recognized God, but not a lot of other people did. And God says, hey, I'm telling you, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to swear. But it didn't happen. Until Jesus. See, Paul's writing, you know, what, 20 years after Jesus was raised from the dead. He's looking around at all these churches that are popping up all over uh, Central Asia and the ancient Near East. He's seeing that it's not just Jewish people who are acknowledging Jesus the Messiah. Just random people, barbarians, people with absolutely no sense of right, wrong, good, bad, how to bathe, anything. They're like, this is God. I'm seeing it now. I see Jesus. He is the king. He did come back. He is the Lord. And on Paul's hearing, he's like, oh my gosh, everything that Isaiah said is starting to come. It's starting to happen now. I think that's the next thing in your note sheets. In Christ, Paul sees the beginning of the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan. Everyone, not just the Jews, will come to acknowledge Yahweh. And so what does he say? What's the the bottom line here? Look, we're all in this together. Okay, we all have, we're all now acknowledging Jesus. We are all we all have a new daimyo, a new Lord. We're all serving Him, bending the knee. We're all of us accountable not to each other, not to ourselves. We're accountable to God. So stop judging each other. Don't put don't offend people. Like you think it's cool to do this, great. You do what you do, but don't shove it in someone else's face. 
That's a terrible way of going about things. You and God. I uh, had a little stomach trouble this week. And uh, for those of you who know, I'm a really big fan of eating. So uh, all week I've been thinking about eating a lot. And so I decided to have a slide with stuff that I like to eat. Oh. <laughs> Top right there, uh, Sour Patch Kids. Those are good. I can eat a whole Costco-sized bag of those suckers. <laughs> the key to eating a Sour Patch Kid, it's like you like to suck on it until the sour part's gone, and then you chew. You don't just gobble them down. I see kids do this. It makes me really upset. Children, <laughs> that is improper. That is not the right way to eat a Sour Patch Kid. You're missing it. Sour Patch Kids, very good, very sour, uh, very different from the bottom right. That's the, uh, the lava, chocolate lava cake. <laughs> The chocolate lava cake, extra awesome, uh, because there's a gooey, fudgy center that creeps out, and it, and it mixes and melts the ice cream, and you just put it all together with a hint of strawberry. And it's, and it's sweet, but not, you know, it's also really, really rich and velvety. Um, I like it a lot. Notice that, that you, would never, you would never drip Sour Patch Kids on top of a chocolate lava cake. That would be a disaster. I don't know if you know this, um, so smoking as a way of doing barbecue, it's uh, actually, it's a time-honored tradition, but in the United States of America, we um, Americans have combined uh, European smoking, Central Asian smoking, and Native American smoking to develop what we think of now as modern American barbecue. Um, All of the traditions of smoking um, came together here in the United States to create what is probably the best way to eat meat that has ever been invented. America. I don't know if you've had brisket. Uh, you know, you get like the 24-hour brisket. Whew. Falls apart. Um, it converts vegans and vegetarians every time it's tried. Uh, but you'll notice that you would never want to put Sour Patch Kids or a chocolate lava cake on top of your brisket. They're very different foods. All things that I want. I chose the, the picture, that picture of chili. Why? Because of the, if you can see, the, the bottle of Tabasco. I love spicy food. I'm a huge, huge fan. Only one person in this church is stronger when it comes to eating spicy food than me. His name is Dustin Rosepink. Uh, I don't know if he's still there, but um, if you go to the Buffalo Wild Wings in El Toro, uh, Dustin's picture is on the wall. Because he, uh, it's true, it's a true fact. I don't know if it's still there, but apparently he ate like, like two orders of their atomic wings in like less than three minutes or something stupid. Uh, the man has no sense, but uh, he does know what he likes, and I respect that. Uh, but man, I love spicy food. It just, I love the way that it makes my, my che- uh, right underneath my eyes, where my, my bags are, it just starts to like swell up with, with sweat. And it's just, it's the, mo- it's the most amazing feeling. Um, but you probably wouldn't want to put Tabasco on your chocolate lava cake. That just wouldn't really work. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I, I, there's a gnawing in my stomach. and so. Um, notice, though, that each one of these foods, while each is perfect in its own way, um, they're all very, very different. What makes them perfect is that they are all very, very successful in accomplishing the ultimate goal, which is making my mouth happy. 
Okay? That is what food... Okay, yeah, food's supposed to help us survive. But here in the first world, when we're in post-scarcity, where we don't worry about whether or not we're going to have another meal, for us, food is basically a pleasure item, right? It's to make the mouth happy. Like, that, that's, and, and, and there's lots of different types of food that can all do it in a different way. And you really wouldn't want to mix them. You wouldn't want to turn chocolate lava cake into brisket. You, you want to keep them separate. Let them do their own things. Let them all succeed in the ultimate goal of making my mouth happy in their own ways. Paul sees the same thing. So he sees now that, that the, the cosmic lore, the ruler of the universe, is now gathering in people from every corner of the earth. And they're all coming in, and they're all acknowledging uh, the new daimyo, the new lord, and they're all being you know, sworn in sort of as samurai like to, to do the, the, the king's bidding. But it's different stuff that each one has to do. They all have different abilities, skills. They come from different backgrounds. They have different ways of operating. They all have individual missions that, is, that are suited, tailored to who they are and where they are in life. And so some of them are Sour Patch Kids. And God's like, you're great. And some of them are Tabasco Chili. And God's like, you're great. Some are brisket. Some are lava cake. In every case, they're different and they're weird to each other. But they're all doing the same thing. And that is honoring and and. and doing allegiance to the cosmic Lord. The whole point of, you know, let's, let's not like judge and offend each other is because what God has, is every single person here, in some way or another, God has something that God wants you to be doing. A step that you need to be taking. A place where you are and where you're going. It might be something spiritual. There might be somebody here who's like, eh, yeah, you know, I, I like the fact that my kids seem to like church, and it's good that they're, you know, learning not to be terrible. I don't know about spirituality myself. Like, maybe there's a God. I don't know. God's calling you to do something very, very different than what God's calling other people to do. And what God's calling you to do is, hey, give us a try, man. See what we're up to here. There's probably somebody here who's uh, got... um some type of, of thing, a boot on your neck that's uh, crushing you and stealing the life from you. Uh, it might be um, a sin. It might be something, a habit that you're in. It might be something in your professional life or in your family life that's just radically broken and it is destroying your ability to have joy and to move forward. What God's calling you right now is like, get that boot off your neck. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. Sin and death don't rule you anymore. And your step, the thing that God's calling you, the mission that you have from God is to take that one step. That's who you are. That's where you are. Some of us here are like, oh, I'm so good at church. I've been doing it a very long time. I know, I know how to do church much better than most people. <laughs> First off, you need to spend less time at church. Uh, there, there, are, there, are, there are churchaholics out there. Uh, dude, there's a whole world out there. It's super neat. You should check it out. A lot of people need your help. Um, you're really great here, and, and you're a stud uh, in these four walls. Uh, but maybe the mission, maybe what God's calling you to do is be like, hey, I need you to go get some, get, do some work out there. Maybe there's some people that need what you've got. Maybe you're a person who's also really good at church, and, and you're like, oh, I'm living, just living the dream, chilling. Maybe what God's calling you to do is, is to spread the joy. 
right? Maybe there's some, maybe there's some people who are really battling, really struggling, who could use a little bit of, of help from you. The point is, is we're all in different spots. We all come from different cultures. We all come from different backgrounds. We're all in different circumstances of life. And every single one of us has a mission from God, just like in the Blues Brothers, on a mission from God. And the key is to find out, A, what it is, and then B, execute. And if that's your modus operandi, then you don't have to worry about whether or not the other people in the pew are doing it. You don't have to be judging them. You don't have to be offending them. You just do what God's called you to do. That's the next thing in your note sheets. We look, act, and think differently because we have different missions from God, and that's okay. Not only is it okay, it's beautiful. When the church is working right, it's like we're all in these different spots. We go from here to there, and we move forward and take two steps back. And all of us are battling to be faithful, to recognize this is who we are. We're all one big family. We look terrible and we're silly, but we're, we're crashing into each other. But we're all trying to do right by the king. And so if you're wondering, what is it that you ought to be doing? You need to take that next step. Guys, a uh, special plug here for, um, for Breakthrough. Our, uh, we have, a, um, have a, a, a retreat coming up. September 20th, 22nd. We're literally going to be talking about discerning the next step for you. It might be something in business. It might be something in your family. It might be something in prayer life, studying, Bible, whatever. But wherever it is, we're going to talk about discerning it, recognizing it, and breaking through, getting to the next step in your life with God and with your family and your community. Even if you don't want to spend time in the lake. I don't. I don't like getting wet. I, I don't like strong, powerful machines that, that scare me. I, wakeboarding? Dude, I'm, I'm basically a spaghetti noodle. I am useless. I, I, and apparently they'll be camping? What? I don't camp. I'm not like, my kids are like, we need to buy an RV. I'm like, you know what we do so that I can get through this retreat? One with a king-size bed and a PlayStation 4. Pro. Even if that's, you know, that's where you're at and you're a little bit stressed about that. Dude, do this because it's an opportunity to discern and recognize and break through that next place, that next mission, that mission that you've got from God. This is an opportunity to recognize it, to get into it, to move forward. I'm assuming that Sherry World and Fearless Living will be doing something very similar, but you'll probably be doing like needlepoint and, uh, you know, sewing. Is that, what, is that what you do on a women's retreat? Shopping, right? I don't know, I don't know what the women's retreat is going to look like, but I do know that Fearless Living, uh, she, one of the things that she's going to be talking about is what is it that's terrifying you and oppressing you? And how is that preventing you from moving forward? Ladies, take, an adv- take advantage here. This is an opportunity. Before we break, I just wanted to note... Um, one last thing in the text. And really, it's, 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 that, it's this moment where Paul, he, he's been reading in Isaiah 45. Um, let, 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 let's, look at, let's look at the text again. Um, this, is the, this is the text from Isaiah. Uh, God says, By myself I have sworn, for my mouth has gone forth in righteousness, a word that shall not return. That's a Hebrew idiom, meaning that uh, when God, who is commitment and, and truth himself, when God says something, it's a done deal. The, the word can't come back to God. It's gone out. It is being accomplished. 
God won't come, God, once God says I'm going to do something, it's done. And what does God say? He says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. I am going to save everybody. The whole world is going to come to me. Notice how Paul, uh, Paul quotes it not from the Hebrew. He quotes from the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. So it looks a little bit different. You notice it says, as I live. Uh, that's uh, what, the Greek, what the translators from the Hebrew to the Greek did. Is when, the, when God says, I swear by myself, um, they turn that into a Greek idiom, as I live. It means the same thing. It's like, I swear, this is what's going to happen. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall give praise to God. Uh, that, that phrase in Greek... Um, where we get swear to God, um, when it comes across in Greek, it, it carries a connotation of offering up praise, just because the verb, the verb is ex amalegeo for you nerds. Um, and, and, and it carries a connotation of if you're professing to God, what that means you're doing is you're causing praise to happen. Okay? So what, that, so what it looks like is it's like if you look at God and you're forced to say, God, you are good. Okay? You're telling a truth to God, and whether you mean it or not, whether you're feeling it or not, it is praise to God, because it's a true thing about God. When you tell the truth about God to God, that is praise. And what Paul's noticed is he's noticed that, that this is happening now, but it's, it's not going to happen here on earth. When Isaiah was prophesying, he probably thought that literally all the nations were going to come to Jerusalem, you know, Cyrus leading them, I guess, and everyone's going to kneel down and, and, and say, oh, you know, the Jews are running the world now. That's what they thought was going to happen. Paul, now that the Messiah has been uh, crucified and raised, knows that this is actually going to take place in the future, in heaven. Everybody in the world, at one point or another, is going to be there before the Lord Jesus. And everyone is going to take a knee and acknowledge, Jesus, you are God. You are good. You are merciful. You are just. Your grace is sufficient. It is overflowing. You are perfect in every possible way. That is going to happen. You like Bruce Willis? I know I do. Where's Bruce? Scott, you do look a lot like Bruce Willis. Look at that. Look at this guy. You're so good looking. Bruce, my man, uh, this guy, John McClane, here he is. This is what he says. says, Organized religions in general, in my opinion, are dying forms. They were all very important when we didn't know why the sun moved, why weather changed, why hurricanes occurred, or volcanoes happened. Modern religion is the entrail of modern mythology. But there are people who interpret the Bible literally. Oh, no. Literally. I choose not to believe that's the way. And you know what? That's what makes America cool. You know? I uh, I love it because, you know, Bruce, look at that smirk he's always got. Bruce, uh, a god amongst men, physically beautiful to look at, um, incredibly uh, handsome, very talented, rich, uh, very powerful. Thinks that uh, we're wasting our time because now we know why volcanoes happen. It's not God. Every knee will bow. And Bruce, you will too. You see, the, uh, it's not just a promise. It's not just good news. It's not just a gospel. 
Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It's a threat. Look back at the text. Only in Yahweh, it shall be said of me, are righteousness and strength. Listen to this. All who are incensed, all who are angry, mad, rejecting, rebellious against God will come and they'll be ashamed, humiliated. Just take one second. Think about one person in your life. One person that you know is dismissive, perhaps hostile to faith. And imagine him or her being put down on one knee. Before the glory of God, the majesty of Jesus Christ, the love and power that are infinite and imponderable in the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, shining out in perfection and glory for all time, and every person being forced to one knee. Every knee will bow, and you will. What that means is that there's really going to be like four different types of people on that day. This is not, this is Paul. Paul's sitting there and he's like, he's figuring it out. This isn't just going to be like, oh, we're all acknowledging that Jerusalem, the Jews are ruling now. That's not how it's going to work. Literally everybody in the universe, past, present, and future, is going to come to the recognition, the realization that Jesus is Lord. And you will. Everybody's going to be a kneeler. The question is, what kinds of kneeler are you going to be? The first type is the rejoicers. These are like the, the faithful samurai. Those who followed the bushido. They recognized the mission that the master gave, and they faithfully prosecuted it. We tend to think people like this are like, uh, you know, famous, like Billy Graham, or C.S. Lewis, or Mother Teresa. And maybe they are, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a famous Christian person, although it weirds me out. But anyway, uh, I think, though, I think that actually most of the rejoicers are going to be like people, like normal people. People who, uh, like, for example, someone who suffers with, like, I don't know, you know, uh, a chronic illness, right? And, and, and she's, she's tortured by this thing, and she knows that the only things God is asking is, is just suffer well. That's it. And so she does, day in and day out. She suffers well, suffers to the Lord, saying, yes, Lord, I know that my calling is to suffer well, to endure, and to be kind-hearted and generous in the midst of it. And then she dies and she's forgotten. Well, when she, on that day, when she kneels, her, the, the, it's tears of joy from her. Because she's been faithful to that one mission she was called to. And God says, yes, yes to you. And now it is your time to rejoice. Number two, regretters. Uh, as many of you know, uh, we, my, I co-write these sermons with my friend Mike from seminary. We talk during the week and we plan everything out. Mike tells an awesome story. He was a, uh, a world-class swimmer in high school and college. He, uh, he's from some state in uh, the middle of the country. I think it's either Wisconsin, Minnesota. I don't know. It's one of those. Anyway, uh, 
and, and he's, a, he's a great swimmer there, and, and, and so all time in high school and the beginning of college, he spent all of his days swimming, 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 swimming. In fact, he was uh, all state and, and even was competing nationally uh, and, and potentially at the time maybe had an opportunity to be doing some international competition. I mean, he was really, really awesome. Uh, and he was at the, the University of Wisconsin, Madison, Eau Claire, Eau Claire, something like that. He's a junior in college. And he's basically dedicated, you know, his entire life to having enormous shoulders and flying through the water. And he tears his rotator cuff. Cup. I don't know. It's part of the body. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he tells it better than I do. I don't he has an injury. Uh, and, it, and it ruins his, his, uh, his swimming career. And the first day afterwards, he's like, what am I going to do with myself? So he starts walking around campus and he meets this girl, Erica, who's now his wife. And then he like goes to class and instead of like just trying to get a, a 3.5 to maintain the scholarship, whatever, he like starts paying attention. He's like, wow, this is awesome. And then he starts hanging out with friends. He stops waking up at 5 a.m. every day and swimming and lifting and starts like just having a relationship. He's like, dude, college is awesome. Why have I been wasting my time? His whole, like, <laughs> overnight, his, like, his, his mentality switched. He was like, I thought swimming was so important. And now I realize it was a terrific waste of my time. I could have been living life. You're kneeling. And you realize, man, I should have been doing some of that stuff. But I just never got around to it. Because that job, man, was so important. And trying to keep up with family life was so important. Man, I really missed out. The king had some missions for me, and, and I knew it. And I just thought, well, if I just, I just got to wait, and then I'll get to it. And I never did. What a wasted opportunity. Number three and four are the, uh, maybe some of you here are resistors. You're like, ah, I just, I, I don't, I don't want to get involved with spirituality. It's just, it's too much. It's like, I, yeah, I'm telling you, you're going to bow. You're going to confess. The worst are the uh, rebels. These are the people who actually, uh, they acknowledge that God is God, but they hate God. And they, res- and they are fighting against God. Things aren't going to go well for them. But these are the people who will be forced down, pushed to one knee, who will utter the truth in the face of God and, and hate every moment of it, but know that it is true. And that, too, will count as praise to the glorious God who rules forever and ever. The stakes could not be higher. This is eternity on the line. You will bow. Will you bow and say, I did it. I, I completed my missions. I was faithful. It wasn't much. It wasn't huge. It was just what God called me to do. I did it. Or are you going to regret for eternity missing out? Let's pray.
Gracious God, I just ask uh, your spirit to enlighten our hearts to see um, what you have for us, that, that step, that mission, that thing that you, that you have put on our heart, um, an act of worship or an, an act of service or a change in life. Or whatever it is, God, I just pray that each person here will, will see it and know it. And God, I pray that we will um, faithfully carry it out as part of our allegiance to you. True God, Lord in Jesus the Messiah, powerful and loving and merciful in the Spirit. We bless you, God, and pray that we, when we kneel and when we confess, will rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.